covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you in to another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in as uh, we come at you with another off-season edition of the program. And uh, this is going to be a fun one. We have a lot to get into. There was some Brewers news uh, this week, so that always uh, is good. Uh, last week was uh, probably our lightest news week that we had had since uh, we've been doing this program. For now, 39 weeks. This is episode number 39. So we hit the big 4-0 coming up uh, next week here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. A couple uh, housekeeping sort of things to take care of before we really get things rolling. First and foremost, uh, appreciate you being tuned in. If you are one of the folks who listens on Apple Podcasts, that's the way I listen to my podcast. Listen to them uh, on my uh, phone, on my iPhone, using the Apple Podcast app. If you are somebody like that, or maybe you go through iTunes on your computer, whatever it might be, uh, there is a place where you can leave a review and a ranking and all that sort of stuff. Uh, if you can do that, that'd be great. Especially if you want to give us a high review, that would be uh, that would be most preferred. Uh, but if you want to leave us uh, a ranking, that's great. It helps us move up the list a little bit, and more people find us. And uh, we want people to find the podcast. Uh, really put some work into this, and we hope that we do a good job every week. And uh, for Brewers fans out there, uh, we hope that they're able to uh, find the podcast and have it to uh, listen to every week. If you go to wtmj.com and just listen to it there, that's great. We appreciate it. If you don't want to leave a review, that's fine too. We're just glad that you listen in on a uh, weekend and week out basis if you ever want to get in contact with me you can do so by tweeting at me at matt Pauley on air m-a-t-t-p-a-u-l-e-y on air you can also drop me an email if you would like uh, matt.pauley at wtmj.com Here's what we have coming up on the program uh, this week. Our social media conversation, our featured guest this week is uh, Tim Muma from Brew Crew Ball. He kind of broke the internet this week, or at least broke uh, Brewer's Twitter, because he uh, wrote a piece. I don't want to mischaracterize it. He didn't write a piece saying that the Brewers should trade Orlando RC up. He wrote a piece saying if they traded him, this is why they potentially could and this is what they could get out of it uh that did not sit well with a lot of folks and again you, you have to read the whole thing and there's some nuance to it uh we're gonna talk with him about it coming up in uh, just a few minutes and uh, we'll get his take and kind of get his explanation uh, on some things and hopefully you read the piece as well at brew crew ball in fact uh, if you want to before we get to that conversation if you just want to go to brewcrewball.com and uh, read that piece and then uh, tune right back in that's totally okay, and it might be uh, might help you out as we go into that conversation. But that's what the off season is about. It's a time where we can get into some interesting topics. And who uh, I'm not, I am not of the belief that the team should or will trade Orlando Arcia. But just because you don't agree with something uh, doesn't mean that you can't say that the points are legitimate. And I think the points that he make are are very legitimate. If I'm David Stearns, I'm not. I there's. There's no scenario where I would trade Orlando Arcia. You've got too much depth at a bunch of other places, and uh, with that, uh, you don't really need to make that move because uh, you, if you need to go get some pieces from other places, uh, you've got the option to uh, to use depth at other positions. So, again, we'll get into more of that coming up in just a little bit. Uh, we'll go through our headlines of the week in a moment. I'll kind of uh, jump the gun on that, though, with uh, some uh, two signings that came down this week. 
uh, with Eric Sogard and Chase Anderson both being back with the Brewers this upcoming year. And for Anderson, uh, it's a two-year deal that could go as far as four years uh, with some team options. Uh, my, I, I don't have as much to say on the Eric Sogard deal because, other than to say I was a little bit surprised that it came so early in, in the offseason. You know, there's some other guys around that you kind of felt like might be able to do a lot of the same things as Eric Sogard. Uh, there's a chance that Sogard might get a, a bigger opportunity with a different team, but he, but they, they get the deal done. And I think it puts the future of Jonathan VR with the team in question. I think it indicates that Neil Walker probably is not going to be back, but the team also wants to, you know, we, we don't know who the starting second baseman is going to be for the Brewers next year. But, uh, you know, Sogard turned into a fan favorite, and good to see that he is back. The more kind of compelling signing is that of Chase Anderson because, again, as I said, it's technically a two-year deal, uh, but there is a there's club options uh, for 2021 and 2021. It's a two-year deal that guarantees him just under $12 million over the next couple of years through 2019. Then the uh, club options uh, after that uh, in 2020 and 2021 are, are are pretty reasonable when you consider how much pitchers get paid. So uh, basically a $1 million signing bonus and then a salary of $4.25 million in 2018, $6 million in 2019. This is according to Adam McAlvey over at MLB.com. Then uh, there is a half a million dollar buyout for the first option. So there's a guarantee there of 11.75 because even if they don't sign him uh, or pick up that option for year three, they would still have to pay him another half million dollars. But the club options are for eight and a half million dollars in 2020 and nine and a half million dollars in 2021. If he continues to pitch the way he pitched this past season and puts up full numbers, uh, full seasons with those kind of numbers, that that salary is a steal. It is an absolute steal. You start looking at some of the salaries of pitchers from around baseball and you start to realize what Chase Anderson could potentially be worth on the open market. Anderson has a 2.74 ERA. If he continues to pitch to a sub three ERA moving forward, I mean that's a that's a twenty million dollar year, or at least in the neighborhood of that kind of pitcher. And uh, the Brewers were able to get him to agree to give up one of his free agent years and to do so at what might be half of what he would make if he would have been a free agent in twenty twenty one at nine and a half million dollars. Now. The other side of that is he's going to make more money over the next two years. Uh, the $4.25 million and the $6 million, probably, probably more than he would have gotten in arbitration, but no guarantee, no guarantee of that. But there is just this, uh, there's, he, it's guaranteed money, and it's, it's something that players like to have. So good signings, good signings this week by the Brewers, and I think what it also shows is that this is becoming a team that, individuals want to be a part of and there's value in that and it's hard to quantify that value in a world today in baseball where we quantify everything everything is statistic driven what's the value of having a culture and an organization that people want to be a part of i think we learned with the individuals who joined the brewers this year whether it was stephen vote neil walker 
um, Eric Sogard, even guys who are signed in the offseason ahead of time, like like Eric Thames and Jesus Aguilar. I mean, these guys who come in, Anthony Swarzak, and he's another big question going into uh, free agency, if he's going to be able to uh, get a deal done with the Brewers and be back. Guys want to be part of this team, and they want to be comfortable in this clubhouse. And it's a, it is a clubhouse that is I, – I, I go back to this. I had Craig Council on my uh, Brewers Weekly show on WTMJ. He was doing uh, the media rounds uh, the week of the, uh, the Marlins series that got shifted from Miami to Miller Park. So he did the media rounds kind of promoting that those games were coming up, trying to sell a few tickets. And I'm paraphrasing, and I should go back and I should find this answer because I feel like the the answer represents so much. But I I asked him about guys feeling kind of comfortable. You know, the the, the you would see the, the fun, basically the fun. Uh, how many times did we see the reactions in the dugout in games, and you just realized that you were watching a bunch of guys who were having a lot of fun. And Craig Council said that one of the things he does and, and part of the culture of the Brewers is allowing guys to be who they are. And you might go, okay, you're allowing guys to be who they are. That's just part of everyday life. It's not. It's not part of everyday life in Major League Baseball. I can tell you that there's guys who get called up from AAA and get to the big leagues, and all of a sudden they kind of change who they are. It's how It becomes how should I act and I'm going to change to be what I think a Major League Baseball player should be. Now, you got to act a certain way. You are a Major League Baseball player. There's there's professionalism that goes along with it, but that has nothing to do with showing character and being who you are. And the Brewers foster a culture and an environment where guys get to be who they are, and everybody embraces it, everybody loves it, and what do you know? You could have Chase Anderson pitching in 2021, what should have been his first year of free agency, for nine and a half million dollars. Which, when when we get to that point, it could be an absolute deal. And let's say he falls off, you know, the, then then they don't pick up the club options in in 2020 and 2021. This is as team friendly of a deal as there possibly is out there. So good on David Stearns for being able to get that deal done. Again, coming up on the program this week, our featured social media conversation is going to be with Tim Muma. That's coming up in just a few moments. We kind of went through this already, but uh, nonetheless, let's do our headlines of the week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's headlines of the week. So the two big headlines we talked about uh, in our opening segment, obviously the uh, contracts for both Eric Sogard and Chase Anderson. Sogard back for one year moving forward. Anderson, the deal where uh, he gets two years plus there's a two club option years. Beyond that, uh, Zach Davies this week, he is named one of the finalists for a National League Gold Glove at the uh, pitcher spot. He is joined by a former Brewer, Zach Grinke, and also R.A. Dickey on that list as well. Uh, those guys are, are very much known, especially R.A. Dickey. I would suspect that Dickey's going to uh, win the award. He generally has been considered the top defensive pitcher in uh, Major League Baseball for a while. But uh, no matter no matter what happens, that's a nice honor for, for Zach Davies. I think it's important for the fans. I, hear, I would hear this all the time, and maybe I'm so far – inside of things when it comes to you know being around the Brewers. Sometimes I need to take a step back and look at things more from the fan perspective. And I can tell you during the course of the year, especially before the final uh, month or so, the Brewers fan base was annoyed that the team was not on national TV very often. 
or really at all. I mean, there was there was one Fox Sports one game on national TV uh, prior to the final month. I, there was a couple times where MLB Network picked up a day game, but it was it wasn't like their originating broadcast. It was just a uh, it was a simulcast during the day. And to me, all that stuff, I don't care. I don't care if it's on national TV or not. But Brewers fans do a little bit, and. That's uh, so. So to see Brewers individuals getting some accolades, including Zach Davies being one of the finalists for the uh, National League uh, Wild National League um, Gold Glove at the pitching spot, I think that's uh, that's notable. Also, uh, Craig Council named the National League Manager of the Year by the Sporting News. Now, this isn't the big manager of the year award that's going to be uh, given out uh, at a at a later time but uh, this is uh, the sporting news uh, has a panel of 19 managers that voted for this so it's really an honor amongst his peers and that says something that the other managers in baseball looked at Craig Council as uh, being the uh, being the manager of the year he got five uh, first-place votes, which was uh, the tops amongst uh, anybody, and uh, he is just the uh, second Brewers manager to win this award. George Bamberger won it back in 1978. So uh, I, I think the world of Craig Council, there's, there's no manager that's perfect. There's no manager that makes every move exactly the way you would like them to uh, make it. And I think we're continuing to see uh, Council improve. And there's definitely times inside of games that he does things that I don't agree with. But you know what? That's the fun of baseball. And there's times where he makes what I think is the wrong move and it works out well. And there's times that he makes the right move and it doesn't work out well. I say this over and over. If you listen to me at all, you know you've heard me say this before. Just because a move works doesn't mean it was the right move, and just because a work move doesn't work doesn't mean it, it, it was the wrong move. Uh, some, you know, there's there's probability that goes along with everything. So if a certain move is going to work 80% of the time, that means it's going to not work 20% of the time. That doesn't mean it was the wrong move. It means it just didn't work out uh, that time. And uh, I, as we as we've watched the postseason, as we've watched other teams. I just, I, there's a vocal minority out there of people who do not like Craig Council, and you're going to have that with any coach, any manager, any, any, anybody of, um, of significance. I mean, you look at the Packers and the dislike for, for Dom Capers and Ted Thompson, and I would say, I was talking about this on the air the other day, not to make this a Packers deal, but I don't know if there is a sports personality inside of the state of Wisconsin who is more disliked than Packers defensive coordinator Dom Capers. There's always going to be individuals who people do not like, and I don't get the people who don't like Craig Council. He does a really nice job, and it says something that other managers in baseball name him the National League Manager of the Year. All right, we will uh, move forward now again. Uh, Tim Muma's going to join us here in just a moment. It's a fun conversation because uh, he wrote something this week that really caught the attention of a lot of people on, on Brewers' Twitter about the benefits of potentially trading away Orlando Arcia. And Arcia is generally viewed as one of those non-tradable types. Not that anybody is ever 100% non-tradable, but Arcia on this big league roster would be considered as close to being non-tradable as just about anybody. Well, uh, Tim had some interesting thoughts on what you could potentially get if you did make a move with them. And uh, we'll talk about that and more in our social media conversation. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. 
Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for our weekly uh, social media conversation as we bring on uh, this week a uh, writer over at Brew Crew Ball. He's one of our favorites. He is Tim Muma. You can follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore M-U-M-A. Tim, it's always great to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Appreciate you giving me some time here once again. You know what? Let's, let's just start off with um, one of the... We've kind of been going through all of our um, kind of normal social media conversation guests uh, over the last few weeks as we get into the off season, and I want I jumped you ahead of a couple people because of something you wrote this week, and I'm just going to start right with that. You know what I'm talking about because you blew up Brewers Twitter this week with a uh, a piece over at Brew Crew Ball where you talked about the positives of possibly trading Orlando Arcia. Now I I don't want to. I don't want to misrepresent it. You you definitely did not say they should. You just said there's a possibility that they could and maybe they could get something back from them and sell high and that sort of thing. But uh, before, you know, I encourage everybody to certainly read your piece. But in a nutshell, kind of what was your thesis inside of that? Well, it really started, uh, I'm fortunate enough to know one scout, exactly one scout that used to coach with them. And he had just been talking to me about how much the Brewers organization loved Mauricio Dubon. Uh, shortstop they got from the Red Sox as part of that Thornburg trade, which keeps on giving, apparently. Um, and really, those are the conversations started. Just talked about loving him defensively so much. He's nowhere near ready as a hitter. And that just kind of got us talking about possibilities. And, and again, in no way was anything said that the Brewers are trying to trade ours here, they're looking to trade, and anything like that. Um, but it just got me thinking as far as where the Brewers are at. Because, you know, we're talking about, obviously, in theory and part of a rebuild, but then they jump up to, you know, the great year they had this past season. The Cardinals and Pirates appear to be going downward. The Cubs don't seem as much of a juggernaut as everyone thought. So all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe they need to push a little bit more here. And, and how do you do that? Well, you got to trade value to get value. And, and look, I love Orlando Arcia, and by even discussing this, it's not to say he's bad or he's reached his peak or anything like that. It's simply a matter of, well, maybe you can find a stopgap for a couple of years deal him and bring in someone that's proven. Now, obviously, ideally, I think you would be a starting pitcher, but maybe that's hard to find a fit. So there might be other options out there. As far as, again, bringing in proven guys, guys who have done it year in, year out, because at the end of the year, you look at it, we feel you need starting pitching in part because you don't know what's going to go on with Jimmy Nelson. You don't know if he'll ever be the same if and when he comes back at some point next season. Um, but even offensively, the you know, second half of the year was a real struggle, and they dropped all the way to 21st in runs scored. So there are places where I feel like you could sort of find a way to sell high on someone like Arcia, who clearly will have value, bring in some proven guys, find a stopgap for shortstop. Yes, they know it's an important position. And then you kind of you know, move around the pieces as you can there and, and make a push in the next few years. Um is it likely to happen? No, I'd say it's unlikely that he would get traded, but it was just something that intrigued me. And, and again, I thought, man, if you can get some big pieces for someone like Arcia, I think now might be the time to do it. All right, so there's a few things there, and I don't disagree with your premise. I'm hope I'm, I'm hopeful it doesn't happen because I like Orlando Arcia, and I look forward yeah. to seeing him make those crazy defensive plays for, for years to come with the Brewers. So I hope it doesn't happen for, for that reason. But uh, a few kind of follows up, follow-ups on, on everything you said. First off, uh, with Mauricio Dubon, everything I've heard, and, and I'm not an expert on this guy. I've been out of the Brewers minor league system working in it for a couple years now, so uh, I'm, I'm not really speaking from a 
personal expertise here, but everything I hear on Dubon is that he's a guy that is going to one of his strengths is the ability to be able to play multiple positions. You know, maybe maybe more than Aaron Perez in terms of you know he's still going to be more of a core than than that. But a guy who can play second, a guy who can play short, a guy who can play left field, kind of on your premise of. RC is expendable because of how highly they think of uh, Dubon. That kind of all of a sudden pigeonholes Dubon into a single position player as opposed to a multiple position player. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that certainly would change things as far as that perspective goes. And the other part of it is if there were some trade with RC, it wouldn't be in a vacuum. And by that, I just mean it's not the only move. I mean, this would have to be a two, three part sort of progression that Stearns would have in mind as far as who they might be bringing in. Maybe they have another trade in mind. And again, the further you get down that road, it becomes more and more likely that you know it's not going to happen. Um, but I completely understand what you're saying, and yes, they have had Dubon playing multiple positions, and, and that can be extremely valuable uh, when you're talking about the National League, especially uh, for, the, for now, obviously not having the DH still. Um, but yeah, that would change things as far as how they look at him, and, uh, and what they're looking as far as the future goes. And, and maybe it doesn't change it completely. I, that's what's so hard about this kind of stuff and, and projecting guys, and especially for even people like us who, who probably look at this stuff way more than the average person and try to get as much information. But we're not in the organization, so we don't know exactly what their plans are, how they see a guy. Uh, you know, are, they, are they saying some of this stuff just as a, sort of a cover for something else? Because um, that was something I brought up with some people on, on Twitter that, you know, we get into conversations with is maybe this is actually just something that they're trying to drum up Dubon's value in theory. And so he can be traded for a piece. And Arcia does stay here for 10 years, and he's your anchor at shortstop. Uh, you never really know. I mean, there's so much banter that goes on, and, and sometimes it's truth, sometimes it's fiction. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as Dubon himself, yes, I think you're right. If Arcia was moved, it changes how they perceive Dubon, or they already made that decision that they want him in this spot, and Arcia then becomes the expendable one. But truthfully, that's not something I think we would see as far as Dubon up in the big leagues. I mean, maybe he gets a taste next year, but from everything I've read and people I've talked to, I mean, his bat is definitely not there, even though they love his love quite a bit. All right, follow-up number two, and I agree with the premise that this team needs to make some moves to bring in some high-end starting pitching. Uh, I, and I, I don't expect them to be big-time players on the free agent market because even even if they punch above their weight, as Mark Atanasio said they could do, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to be in the market for the Jake Ariettas of the world, so the way you go acquire that uh, starting pitching talent is via trade. There's so much more organi- organizational depth at the outfield position. I mean, you just look at next year the the issues they could have if nothing else changed with a, a roster that could feature Ryan Braun, Brett Phillips, Lewis Brinson, and Domingo Santana. We're not even mentioning Keon Broxton. And then there's some high-end outfielders in the minor league system that's, that's not that far away. Would it make more sense to trade away a prospect outfielder than it would Arcia if you're trying to make that move for a, a solid starting pitcher? Yeah, for sure that makes and it seems like it would be the, the easiest move and the most basic one. Uh, of course, the, I guess the thought there is got to figure out who you really trust and who you want in the big leagues. Uh, like you said, there, there probably would be a bat for everybody if you're counting Braun, Phillips, Brinson, and Santana. To me, Broxton, look, nice guy, great you know, backup outfielder. I don't think you should hold up any move or, or change any of your plans 
if you're thinking of Keon Braxton. I, I just think he's a good piece. He's nice to have. He has his streaks, but nothing should be held up or changed because of him specifically. Uh, and then, you, yeah, you get the conversation, like you said. You have depth in the outfield uh, within the organization. I mean, you can go on. There's a number of guys you can list there that maybe people even haven't heard of or, or you've heard about just in the minor league specifically. And one of the proposed partners I had in that article was Arcia being dealt for a position player. Um, and we'll probably write about this more down the road, but Christian Yelich, a guy from the, the Marlins that I think is supremely underrated. And a lot of people got on me about that. Like, why would they trade for another outfielder? And to me, the thought process was, well, then I would have no problem if you stay in Grinton. I love Brinson, but to me, he's the only guy that you can deal to get an ace or a top-of-the-rotation type starter. So if you're comfortable trading him, which it didn't seem like they were last year to get Sonny Gray, by all reports, again, I'm not on the inside. I don't have any inside knowledge as far as what offers are on the table. But I would I don't know that I would personally feel comfortable if you're trading him to get a top-of-the-line starter. Now, if you're bringing in another outfit that you trust, a proven one, again, someone like Yelich, like I suggested, um, then to me it's all hands on deck, deal Brinson to whomever you, you know, whoever you can to, to bring in that guy. Um, so, and I understand by doing that you're moving more pieces around and, and that becomes a challenge, it becomes a risk in many ways. Um, but, yeah, again, to your point, that seems like the most basic of move. You have the most depth it would appear, in the outfield. Do you deal Brinson and go with Phillips? Do you deal Phillips and other guys in order to get uh, a top starting pitcher? I guess, that, again, that's the ultimate question. That's the, the challenge of something like this because you have to determine need and value and what can the other teams offer you up. Um, so the way I look at it, keep your options open, even if it includes someone like RC. I don't think many guys still on this team are untouchable um, I still keep Brinson up there unless they have someone else of high caliber that you can for sure plug in over the next handful of years. All right, last thing for you, and this is, uh, and again, we encourage everybody to read the uh, read the piece at uh, Brew Crew Ball, and then you actually put together some follow-up tweets about it as well on your Twitter account, so uh, people can check that out for themselves. Uh, maybe I'm not being fair to you in this one because this was more of a just kind of a, a, a this wasn't the point of the story, but you made a, a comment that I kind of wanted to ask you about because I might disagree with you. You make reference to a, a potentially weaker National League Central, and the key word there is potentially – I would argue and I would expect that you know the Cubs have more money than God, it seems like, and they're coming off a year where they expected to win a World Series again and they didn't. I would expect that they're going to make all kinds of moves in the offseason and be very active in free agency. Uh, I know the Cardinals don't put up with not making the postseason two years in a row. So I would, from my perspective, I would assume that the Cubs and Cardinals are both going to be better next year, even though as it sits right now, maybe they're not. Where do you sit on that? Do you expect them to be better, or do you think that they may uh, both take a step back? I, I agree with the Cubs. I, I think they will look to make moves. I don't think they're going to sit on their hands. I, I've heard plenty of rumors and seen plenty of rumors already with some of the, the trade pieces they could have on top of, as you said, just throwing money at guys that they might see as good fits. Uh, even see the way they're shuffling stuff with their coaching staff um, so quickly, you know, quickly sneaking in these uh, these deals in between uh, days of the World Series. Um, so, yeah, of course, I, th- I think the Cubs are going to be in that uh, sort of potential back to the top, back what they were last year uh, when they won the World Series. So I, I'm with you there. 
Cardinals, I think, are, are tricky. Uh, to your point, they're not used to being in this position very often as far as missing out on the playoffs. I just I feel they're on the decline, and I don't know how much they're going to go out and make all these moves. And, and they have a lot of aging guys, guys who underperformed. Uh, you never know with them. You feel like you, you never can count them out. Uh, Pittsburgh, though, to me, is someone there. Again, they're sort of in between, not sure what to think of them. So I guess it really comes back to what the Brewers and their organization feels. If if they don't think it's the right time to push and make some kind of charge, well, then they shouldn't go out and make many, if at all, any big free agent pushes. They shouldn't be making many trades unless you're, you know, uh, again, upgrading in certain areas without giving up any of your top prospects. Uh, so that's really where it starts. And, again, with me not having any inside knowledge on what their game plan is, uh, I guess I still see that window available. And as, even if we saw this, as we saw this year, nobody expected the Brewers to be in that position to possibly make the playoffs. Very few, if any, people thought the Cubs would drop down, at least struggle as much as they did in the first half. They picked it up, uh, obviously, a ton in the second half. Uh, so, I, again, it comes down to how Stearns and company sees it. If, if they're the ones that are saying, hey, the window is opening now, we have a good core, we want to add to it, then that's where a trade like this comes into play. If not, then you stay the course, so to speak. Arcea certainly is one of those pieces that on paper is exactly what you're looking for in a traditional rebuild. Um, and then from there, you, you let the chips fall where they may. Uh, if you're asking me, I say you make some of these moves. But they have to be guys that are not only proven but are under control. Some of the guys that I reference in the article, they are under control for four or five years in some cases. So you still need to have that long-term view, even if you're looking to make a push here in the next couple of years. All right, let's get to some of the news of the week. We'll start with Chase Anderson. He signs what is technically a two-year deal, basically uh, buying out his arbitration years, and then there's club options for a couple years after that, which would buy out uh, one of his free agent years. If he continues on the trajectory that he's on right now, it could end up being a big-time bargain for the Brewers. Do you like the move? I think it's fantastic, especially those uh, club option years. It's amazing that players or their agents, I guess, in most cases are open to that. Um, I suppose the trade-off is getting that guaranteed money in the first couple of years, really. Um, but I think it's a great move. I think it's, there's little risk from the Brewers' perspective. Even if Chase Anderson takes a small step back in the next couple of years, the market for pitching is you and anyone knows who watches and covers baseball. Uh, it, it gets ridiculous really fast from that jump from below average to above average. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the money gets ridiculous really quickly. So I think it's a, another shrewd move by Stearns. I think Anderson's the type of guy that I think he's sincere when he in, has enjoyed his time here and he's like the Brewers really have taken him in. Uh, and some people might think that's cheesy and doesn't matter, but I think it does play a role for some guys as far as comfort level and, and wanting to be a part of something. And I think the Brewers recognize how well he's pitched, not just last year, but even going back to the previous year, um, I think from July through the end of this year. I mean, he's, he's right up there with the elite pitchers. Um, so I think fantastic move, very little risk, and those, those club options I, I think are just money in the bank for the Brewers. I was a little surprised with the Eric Sogard thing getting done this early in the offseason. I thought they would maybe wait and see how things played out at second base. Um, you know, we mentioned Mauricio Dubon earlier, and you're totally correct in that he probably won't break camp with the team. He's probably somebody who makes his big league debut late in the season. But uh, Dubon's a guy who could kind of fill that same role as, as Sogard, so maybe you leave the door open for him. But here he is signing a, a one-year deal, and he's going to be uh, back with the club. Were you at all surprised that they got the deal done so quick? Yes. 
completely that it was this early and seemingly out of the blue. Um, and, you know, he got a decent chunk of change. It's not like he just settled for some minimum deal and, and, and left it at that. Um, the funny thing is him them getting the deal done that quickly even further put into mind the idea that, well, maybe they could move Arcia because, yes, Sogard's not going to be any – he's not going to hit like he did last year, I wouldn't imagine. And he can't be your everyday shortstop. But he is actually really good defensively. He's a little underrated, I think, and maybe it's because of the whole Lord power thing and the glasses and doesn't necessarily look the part of your traditional uh, shortstop out there. But that, that put in my head, too, like maybe he, he's there as a backup uh, to play the position if they go a different route. Um, but he, he's the type of guy I think, again, I think someone like Council really likes. He gives you good at-bats. He gives you versatility, which we've seen – as you mentioned with Perez and, and even the way they moved around guys like Thames and Walker last year, um, you know, they like those kind of guys, especially playing the style uh, as far as having the versatility and flexibility, you know, day in and day out with the lineup. Um, so yes, I was a little surprised that it happened so quickly. Although again, if Stearns and company felt like, Hey, he's a good fit. Let's not even give him a chance to walk away from this. Uh, you know, someone else wanted a player of his caliber uh, so they got the deal done, and I think that's a, a big part of what Stearns does. When he has a guy he likes or wants, uh, he'll go and, and take care of business there. He also has his price in mind, so he's not going to go beyond that. I think he sticks firm uh, for whatever reason. This was the deal he thought that, that made sense, and they said, hey, let's get it done now, and, and then we'll move forward with the rest of the guys because they have a lot to worry about as far as arbitration and, and what they might do in the offseason. Put on your prediction hat here is Jonathan VR on the team on opening day. I would say he is. I still believe they want to give him a chance. Uh, I mean, obviously this past season did not go the way anybody had hoped or planned, and I'm sure a lot of people thought, you know, all this could happen. He was a kind of a one-hit wonder, so to speak. But I think with, with his you know base running ability, albeit sometimes a little frustrating, um, and his, his you know, again, versatility in some ways. I mean, pushing him out in center field, I think, scared us all quite a bit when he was out there. Uh, but being a switch hitter, uh, being able to play shortstop, I know people, again, on social media are all over me for mentioning he could still play some over there if there was an RCA move. Uh, we tend to remember all the bad stuff, but you know, at times he was fine there, too, again, as a part-time player. I say they roll with him, unless there's some other deal out there. I, I don't see them bringing back Neil Walker. I think he'll look for a firm starting spot somewhere else. Um, and unless they have some deal in the works or, or there are some guys available that they could bring in, I, I don't think he's a horrible option. He's not costing you a lot. Maybe it was too much pressure for him last year after he turned down a, a, what was out there, supposedly, a, a contract offer. Um, I had heard some stuff about half the season having after his wrist or his thumb wrapped up. Maybe he was dealing with something we didn't know about. Uh, maybe it was just a bad year. Sometimes it happens. You start slow, you can't get it out of your head, you never fix it. Um, so that's the long version of, yes, I think he'll be on the team in some capacity, maybe even as your starting second baseman, or maybe he becomes that, that versatile guy, uh, at least on the infield for you. Well, going back to something you said a little bit ago about Chase Anderson, and I think it uh, applies to Eric Sogard as well, just the idea that they want to be in Milwaukee and they want to be on this team. Yeah, at the end of the day, you win with talented players, and you know, no matter how much guys like each other, you, you got to have you got to have talent to win. But baseball is also a sport in a 162 game season that spending all day with guys you like can impact the game somehow, some way. If there is talent, what what impact can 
the way Craig Council manages, uh, the way that clubhouse is put together, the way David Stearns values finding guys who kind of fit the culture of the team, as we watch this thing develop, how much can that play into the Brewers maybe being able to have a little bit more success and you know getting guys to take a little bit less money like Chase Anderson and things like that to be part of what's going on? Personally, I think it does play a relatively big part. Um, yes, you, know, you need guys to perform on the field. You need your stars. You need the numbers up there. Um, but this is sometimes where, as much as I love statistics, I think sometimes some of the guys who are into stats so much uh, either devalue or really completely bash anyone who thinks that the idea of team chemistry matters or fit matters, that, well, yeah, team chemistry, they're, they're good together because they're, they're winning. If they were losing, it wouldn't be this way. I don't believe that wholeheartedly. Uh, I, I, I do believe in the idea of camaraderie. Um, you know, baseball being different in a lot of ways because, like you said, it's every day, and it's, it's not just during the season. It's before spring training, it's during spring training. It's, you know, you're in the clubhouse every win, every loss. You rarely have a day off. You're rarely apart from these guys. So I think that does play a role. And as you brought up, Sogard even mentioned, you know, he felt like there's something special going on here. He wants to be a part of it. I think a part of that is trade counsel. Um, we can get on managers all the time for their in-game decision-making, and I'm just as guilty of that as anybody. Uh, but I, I think it does matter most how they handle the players, how they talk with the players, you know, what their communication style is like. When do they let them play? When do they try to bring the hammer down a little bit in it? From all accounts, it seems like Council has a good feel for all that stuff. Uh, maybe it's because you know he's not that far removed from playing, uh, and he kind of understands that. A lot of times we talk about uh, managers who are really good with what they do are players who aren't necessarily stars, right? Because they can understand the role of bench players, or you know, for him, you can even call them bench players. Uh, but understanding that you need to be able to talk with these guys and, and give them an idea of what's going on, and and have this sort of the feel that you're all one and that you're going to do what it takes to help the guy next to you, not help yourself. And I think you see that a lot with the team, um, you know, especially this past year, guys playing different positions. They look to be enjoying themselves, win or lose, pressure situation or not. Uh, I think it does matter. And I do remember even last year hearing the, the Cubs talking about that in TOF scene, saying that, you know, with all these numbers, all the teams have the numbers now. Okay, so maybe the whole money ball idea and, and the advanced statistics there's maybe not as much an advantage there for any one team. So they got to look elsewhere. And they talked about doing interviews with guys and, and seeing what makes them tick and, and what, what really drives them, what do they look for in a teammate, what do, what's their personality like. So that might be that next step as far as how do we get over the hump and how do we make this team better, not just each individual player that we bring in. Last thing for you, uh, Zach Davies is one of three finalists for the uh, Gold Glove uh, in the National League at pitcher, joined by uh, Zach Greinke and R.A. Dickey. It's cool that he's on this list. I think you know, and we also saw you know Craig Council get the Sporting News Manager of the Year deal. So it's nice to see sure. the Brewers getting some accolades. Any chance Davies wins this thing? <laughs> I I guess I don't think so. Uh, I to be honest, I was completely shocked that he was even mentioned as a finalist. Um, I think we all tend to know this when a pitcher's really bad uh, at fielding his position, Matt Garza. Uh, but I, it's hard to tell when a guy's really that good. Uh, I, I I really couldn't tell you. I, I, maybe if I get a chance to look at some numbers or something, but I, I didn't see anything that, that Davies apart from the next guy. So 
considering uh, as much as the Brewers have gotten some some pub and, and some you know accolades in, in that way, I I see a very very slim chance that Davies wins. If he does, great. If not, I it doesn't really matter to me at all. If I'm being honest. F- fair enough. Um, are are you planning on breaking Brewers Twitter again with something else that you write here soon? Well, it's not funny. Like, you know, people are mentioning, is this clickbait? Like, I, I, I really didn't set out to do that, people. I just gave an opinion, and, and, and like you said at the top, I didn't say they should trade him. Uh, just, I should know better, right? You're not going to get, uh, always get great conversations on social media. Uh, I don't have anything necessarily that's going to be breaking. Um, just in general, at Brew Crew Ball, we're going to be having, you know, some off-season stuff, and we will get into the idea of potential trade targets and free agents and, and off-season plans and that kind of stuff, so... Um, as much as uh, it stinks that the the season is over for the Brewers, obviously, and has been, uh, it's exciting when you go into this this kind of fresh hot stove uh, a talk. Especially, who knows what direction the Brewers are going to take? Uh, you know, it's pretty much wide open. They can do whatever they want. They have money if they want. They have prospects if they want to deal them, or they can just uh, you know stay status quo and, and see what happens with that rebuild. But um, uh, I would encourage everyone to check out Brew Crew Ball. Um, obviously, I, I write there, but a number of other uh, great guys write there as well. And we'll have tons of stuff coming up uh, regarding the off season, and and hopefully, yeah, hopefully, I can hit some uh, some more nerves of people, and uh, we can have more discussions on social media. He is Tim Muma again. Read him at Brew Crew Ball. Follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore M U M A. Tim, uh, great to catch up. I'm sure we'll talk uh, a couple more times at least here during the course of the uh, off season. And uh, thanks as always for your time. No, I appreciate it. I uh, love talking uh, with you. I love what you're doing. And by the way, congratulations on that uh, UW Green Bay job as well. That's awesome. That was Tim Muma from Brew Crew Ball, and we appreciate him taking some time with us. He, the, what he was making reference to there, not that I'm a big self-promoter here, uh, but I am now doing the uh, play-by-play broadcast on radio for the Green Bay Phoenix women's basketball team, which is uh, very exciting for me. I've been doing basketball play-by-play for a while. Glad to get back to doing uh, D1 basketball and Green Bay women's basketball. It's pretty incredible. They've won 19 straight league titles. They're picked to uh, win their 20th straight league title. So uh, that's uh, that's a good deal for me, and I'm glad that uh, I'm able to do that. Nice of Tim to be able to uh, mention that there at the end of the program. All right, so that is going to uh, do it for the program this week. A couple of reminders for you. If you do want to get in contact with me, you can always tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. You can also email me, matt.pauley at WTMJ.com. Don't forget, uh, we also do our Brewers Weekly Show. That comes up on Thursday nights on the air on WTMJ. Uh, this week, uh, because of the uh, the Green Bay uh, women's basketball deal, I'll be out this week, so Greg Matzik's going to be uh, filling in for on the program for me coming up uh, this Thursday night from uh, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. But uh, another full hour of uh, Brewers-related talk that you can hear each week on WTMJ. And as Brewers news breaks, uh, we always have it for you on WTMJ as well. Thanks so much for being tuned in. This has been Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Our thanks again to uh, Tim Muma from Brew Crew Ball for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. The big 4-0 next week, episode number 40 next week of uh, Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.